sometimes unconventional, but always entertaining. They're kooky and they're spooky. It's time to cross to the other side. Welcome to Spooky Sundays with Anne and Renata. And welcome to Spooky Sundays, all you paranormal fans. Welcome to the Grand Poo Bars, the Parastalkers, the Paralurkers, the Darksiders, and all you other creepy people who are just like us. Uh, you are with your hosts, myself, Anne Rekovich, and the delightful, delicious Renata Daniel over hello, there. Hello, hello. And this is the last one before we come home on Wednesday. Mm. We're going to be back really soon. This yes. all went way too quick. It did. Per usual. It did. Um, I'm looking into the future and I'm saying that we've had a magnificent time and we've had so much fun we want to come back. Yes, absolutely. And this week we're actually going to be at Universal Studios Halloween night. Mm. Actually, right now, while you guys are listening to the show on the Sunday night in America, in LA, we're going to be being chased around by ghosts and spirits and demons and oh, vampires and I mummies. hardly wait. I know. I, can't, I, just, <laughs> I can just see you and I turning around and go, don't. <laughs> just don't. Just don't. I'm not in the mood. We, we're the real deal. Back <laughs> off. <laughs> uh, but we have a very special night coming up on our very last night in America. Mm-hmm. And that is we're sleeping on the Queen Mary, the mm. very haunted Queen Mary. Yes. So we'll be able to report back uh, when we are back in studio next Sunday. Mm-hmm. But right now, do you have a news of the week, Renata? I do. Do. Fabulous. I do. And as I've mentioned in the last show, it's been rather quiet in the spooky world out there. Nothing really to report that's, you know, huge. I think everyone is gearing up for Halloween and storing their big stories away for the weeks to come. Hmm. Mm. I hope they've got some good ones. But I'm going to uh, give you some information about uh, a... An, uh, an item that's coming up on um, oh, Planet Weird. It's Ooh. called Planet Weird. Planet and Weird. Um, it is being shown on um, places like um, Planet Weird YouTube, Apple TV, Amazon Prime, Google Play, and it is called The Unbinding. Oh. Now, I did mention this a couple of weeks ago uh, that I was interested when I heard about it because it's got to do with a little bit of Slavic um, culture, which is very interesting to me. Mm. And uh, I will be very, very interested in how they sort of treat all of this. But let me give you some information. So this this, oh, is, please do. this comes from Higgy Pop, and it says, following the success of their acclaimed documentary series, Hellia. Oh, I loved Hellia. Paranormal researchers Dana and Greg Newkirk are about to drop their latest horror documentary, The Unbinding. I've just listened actually to a, a podcast with these two, Dana and Greg Newkirk, mm-hmm. and they, they talk about um, – yeah, the Estes method and yep. how they use it and, um, and some some of the things that have occurred for them. And Dana uses her uh, tarot cards yes. as well, which I love. I haven't seen her do that. Oh, I need to you? see how she, she, she does that. It's really cool. Maybe I shall start doing it as well. Well, we sort of did. When we, we did. yeah, we when did. we had we a little bit a of a, mm-hmm. um, yes, we won't mention that. <laughs> so, so planet uh, premiering on Planet Weird's YouTube channel, and this goes back to September. The film is also available as mentioned: Apple TV, Amazon Prime, and Google Play. Set against the eerie bra- backdrop of New York's Catskill Mountains, the film unfolds the harrowing experience of two hikers who discover a m- mysterious wooden statue in a secluded cave. Ooh. And and you know what? You find this is off script. You find a mysterious wooden statue in a secluded cave. What do you think you should do? Oh, steal it, of course. No. You pop it in your backpack and no, run away you with leave it. Leave it be. Or do you deface you it? Leave it alone. Do you carve a big smiley face on it? No, you just leave it alone or maybe and you, you walk away. Maybe you sort of hack off a bit of genitalia and take it home with you? No. 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 Okay. Named That's boring. the crone, this strange oh. artifact triggers a series of unsettling paranormal phenomena, do, 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 do. compelling the hikers to seek expert advice. 
Enter Dana and Greg Newkirk. I like them. These seasoned paranormal researchers are well known for their previous work on the hit docuseries Hellier and Discovery's Kindred Spirits. Uh Here they take on a case that diverges from their usual mysterious emails and goblin encounters. What's one got to know? You don't know what goblin is? Yeah, I do, but that's just Happens every Saturday night. I'll stop it. <laughs> With the unbinding, I'm just going to move on. It's supposed to be PG they, at this stage, isn't it? They endeavour to uncover the truth behind this haunting artefact. The terrifying tale is brought to you by Planet Weird, the independent media company that gave us Hellier. Again, brought to you by Planet geez, Weird. that's three times they've mentioned it. Great mm-hmm. advertising and the Haunted Objects podcast. And that's what they have um, they have that Haunted Objects Museum and they talk about each of their um, objects that they have mm. in every podcast episode. Oh. Yes, known by diving into stories that shape our beliefs, they've traversed North America on hundreds of paranormal escapades. This time they're joined by paranormal researcher Tyler Strand, further bolstering their investigative prowess. Ugh. You can watch the official trailer for The Unbinding on the Higgy Pop um, paranormal page. It has the official trailer. I will be watching that shortly. Now, what makes The Unbinding stand apart is its focus on a physical object Object, the crone. This weird witch totem is at the centre of this different kind of case, making it a compelling focal point for those interested in the tangible elements that can trigger paranormal Ooh. phenomena. I like the shoulder shrug when you did the yeah. trigger. <laughs> Directed by Carl Pfeiffer, who is making his featured directorial debut after his work on the Hellier, that's five series. Well, it's called a plug, you know. The film boasts an array of talent both in front and behind the camera. Dana and Greg Newkirk serve as executives. That's all, folks. Producers. While Connor Randall steps in as co-executive producer. I don't care about that information. The film promises to be more than just a run-of-the-mill horror documentary. Now, there's two words that make it an oxymoron. Horror documentary. Mm. That should not be together. Anyway, it aims to provide an in-depth look. Oh, see, I've had had all that sugar. It's coming out now. Oh. uh, Into the world of haunted artefacts. Shall I play the tin whistle? (laughs) Creating an impactful narrative. Oh, more big words. Like This came from chat GPT. Did you proofread this? Oh, based on real life events. Oh, bull twat. Honestly, it's a, oh. a bull, bull twat is called a cow. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it when oh. she proofreads the story. <laughs> if you've enjoyed the team's previous works or have an interest in, in the Hellia, the TV series, <laughs> this is one you won't, won't want to miss. But Hellier is really good. Um, have you watched it? No. It is really good. Uh, I like what they, they do on their. They seem reasonable. I have to admit, I didn't get right through to the very end. I don't know why, but, <laughs> but that's just um, the, well, the way our brain works, I think. We can never get right through to the end. But, um, yeah, no, they seem like quite reasonable investigators. Mm-hmm. Are you done? Yeah, except for that whole, yeah. It's based, based, loosely based. Loosely based. On real life experiences, which means that someone walked past a cave yeah. and they kicked up some sand and they found a twig. Yeah, that and looked like a, a yeah. carving or yeah. a doll. Yeah. Well, somebody's been whittling and they weren't real good <laughs> and that's how it came out. Now everyone thinks it's a cursed item. That's right. All right, that's fabulous. Thank you, Renata. We're going to head off and we'll be back with more fabulous stories just like this one. <laughs> Maybe better after this song. Spooky Sundays with Anne and Renata on Newcastle Live. A PC of mythical creatures. It gets better every week. This week on the ABC of Mythical Creatures, we are looking at the letter T. The letter T for trolls. And if you know us well, trolls never win when they take on the frightfully good ghost grannies Anne and Renata when we're online. But it's not that sort of troll that we're looking tonight, looking at tonight. But you have to admit, 
Probably the description of those keyboard warriors would be about the same. Large, brutish creatures. Does that sound about right, Renata? Oh, no. Not at all. Dim-witted, aggressive, antisocial. Yeah. Exposure to sunlight. Trolls on a keyboard. I think that describes them as just as well as it does the trolls of North and North mythology and Scandinavian folklore. The poor things. They weren't too bright. They didn't like hanging around with people. And if they came out into the sunlight, the poor things turned into stone. Oh, dear. How terrible. I know, but they, they appear a lot. In literature and movies and games, they are very, very popular. Uh, in modern day pop culture, the, the trolls can be portrayed in various ways across various mediums. And of course, we have the um, the naughty trolls who get online and the intent of derailing conversation or provoking others for their amusement. But there is one movie that you are all going to know that the troll appears in. What is it, Renata? The movie Trolls? Yes, but there's a more famous one than that. I don't know. Harry Potter. Oh. Don't you remember they end up sticking the wand up the nose of the the troll and there was green snot coming out everywhere? It was oh. fabulous. Uh, in Harry Potter, they're depicted as large, dangerous creatures with limited intelligence. And then we have Trolls by DreamWorks. Mm-hmm. Now, do you know what they look like in that particular show? They look like those things that used to be able to buy and you stuck them on the end of your pen. Yeah, a troll doll. Yes. They're small, colourful, generally tre- cheerful creatures, which is very different to the way they're portrayed everywhere else. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, we all wanted one of those. Oh, the troll oh, dolls. If you can remember the troll dolls, if you're old enough to remember the troll dolls, which was an absolute craze at school, Yep. Um, send us in a message. They, they had a tuft of very Colourful, bright coloured yeah. hair, yep, yep. which after a week or two looked very manky. Mm-hmm. Um, there was also a TV series called Troll Hunters by Guillermo del Toro. Mm -hmm. Uh, And Roman tried to show me that and I just couldn't watch it. But it appears in video games such as the World of Warcraft, the Elder Scrolls. Um, They appear in uh, literature such as The Hobbit, Mm -hmm. Lord of the Rings. Uh, In that one, they're normally large monstrous creatures and are dangerous. Uh, And they're also very well known in a game. And that game is Dungeons and Dragons. Yes. Yeah. They appear in comics and all that sort of stuff but they are primarily found in North mythology and Scandinavian folklore so I'll give you a little bit of background based on that mythology Uh, so they depicted as large British creatures can be both giant like or dwarf like they often dwell in the mountains and rocks and caves they are typically associated with magic and in some tales they turn into stone when exposed to sunlight. Now, did you know that trolls appear in Celtic folklore as well? Mm. Uh, but they're not called trolls. There, they're called Fomorians, and I'm very, very sorry if I've said that really wrong. Um, that's from Irish mythology, uh, and they're quite hostile and uh, monstrous giants. They also appear in Slavic folklore. Mm-hmm. And they're called the Domovi, the do, Domo Ovoi. Yeah. Domovi. Oh, well, there's, yeah, there's different, um, different variations of that. And they're, yeah. they're the house, the house elves. Really. That's right. Yeah. Uh, household spirits, sometimes mischievous and can be seen as part of the, the um, Scandinavian troll beliefs that's sort of linked in with the Slavic one. But also British folklore. Again, not called trolls, but they were sort of a giant or an ogre um, sort of looking creature. Uh, There's also the Cyclops and Giants of Greek mythology, which are not trolls, but they do share some of the the, um, characteristics. characteristics. Mm -hmm. But as you know, we can't have an ABC without a story. It's story time! Once in the rugged landscapes of ancient Scandinavia where the northern lights painted the skies and the mountains whispered tales of old, there lived a troll named Grimnir. Mm -hmm. 
Grimnir was not like the other trolls who resided in the hidden caves and crevices of the mountains. He was known for his curious nature and his unusual fondness for watching the human villagers from afar, you dirty, dirty troll, unseen and unnoticed. Grimnir was colossal, with skin as rough as the jagged rocks and eyes that glowed like amber. His footsteps echoed through the valleys, and he wore a cloak made from the shadows of the night. Despite his intimidating appearance, Grimnir had a heart that held a fascination for the lives of humans, their joyous laughter. Where's my sound effects? Jeez, <laughs> oh, great. And their communal warmth around <laughs> the campfire. Every night under the cloak of darkness, Grimnir would sneak close to the edge of the nearby village, careful not to be seen. He would watch the villagers gather around the campfire, sharing tales of adventure and folklore, their faces lit by the dancing flames. He listened intently to their stories of valour and the myth of the gods and the creatures of the land. One particular evening, as autumn whispered through the leaves and the air was crisp with the scent of burning wood, Grimnir overheard a story that captured his attention. An elderly storyteller, with a beard as white as the snow-capped mountains, spoke of a hidden treasure, protected by the gods, that granted one wish to anyone that found it. The treasure was said to be concealed deep within the forbidden forest, a place shrouded in mystery and guarded by creatures of the night. Intrigued by the tale and the possibility of making a wish, Grimnir decided to embark on a perilous journey to find this hidden treasure. He travelled through dense forests and crossed roaring rivers, his determination unwavering and his eyes fixed on the goal. The journey was fraught with challenges as Grimnir encountered enchanted beings and faced trials that tested his strength and wit. After many days and nights, Grimnir finally reached the heart of the Forbidden Forest where the air shimmered with ancient magic. There, hiding among the twisted roots of an ancient tree, he found the treasure, a chest adorned with runes and symbols of the gods. With bated breath. Oh my gosh. <gasps> bated breath. Grimnir opened the chest and found within it a golden horn, said to have the power to grant a single wish when blown. Grimnir held the horn close and pondered his wish. He thought of the endless possibilities, wealth, power, immortality. But as he recalled the warmth of the humans and their joyous laughter around the campfire, Grimnir realised what he truly desired. He wished to be able to sit among the humans, to share stories and laughter, and to experience the warmth of companionship. With a deep breath, Grimnir blew the horn. Its sound resonating through the forest and echoing in the mountains. <laughs> Gosh. A golden light enveloped him and the ancient magic worked its wonder. Grimnir was transformed, no longer a colossal creature of the night, but a being able to shift between troll form and that of a human. With a grateful heart, Grimnir returned to the village, joining the humans around the campfire, sharing tales of old and new. He found warmth in their companionship and joy in their laughter. And from that day forth, Grimnir lived between two worlds, a bridge between the ancient tale of trolls and the lives of humans, a guardian of stories under the northern lights. What has that got to do with a big ugly troll that's dim-witted. Uh, but it was a great story. I loved it. I can see Renata loved it too. Uh, Just I'm, wipe the drool off I'm the corner of your mouth. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Alright, we're going to go to a song. We'll be back after this. Spooky Sundays with Anne and Renata on Newcastle Live. 
And we're back with Spooky Sundays after another delicious ABC of Mythical Creatures. I can see Renata was totally thrilled by that story yet again. Uh, but what have you got to rival my ABC, Renata? What are you going to talk about? I am going back to New Orleans and talking a little bit more about one of the fantastic stories that is kind of legendary. Even though we're in in LA now, that's okay. Yep, that's fine. That's fine. Come on. What what are we talking about? Radio silence is not good. This is about the Sultan's House Massacre. Ooh. Even if it didn't have an intriguingly macabre backstory, the massive three-and-a-half-storey Greek revival abode at Dauphine and Orleans Street would be noteworthy from an architectural standpoint. At 183 years old, it boasts a half-basement with a row of sidewalk-level windows and the kind of striking cast-iron filigree balconies on its upper levels wow, this is riveting. that have won its bragging rights as one of the most photographed buildings in the French Quarter. That haunting backstory, though, one that includes a sultan, a stolen harem, and a mass murder, only gives the Gardette Le Prêt house, as it is known, that much more unique a place in New Orleans history. Oh, now you've got me interested. Mm, It also gives it the other name by which it is commonly known, the Sultan's House. Ah. That the details of the story behind the name are unverified do little to erode its allure, but here's what we know for sure. According to a 1979 story in the Times, before the current house at 716 Dauphine Street was built, the site was home to a small brick and wood dwelling dating to 1780 and owned by a free woman of colour named Victoria Dudelette. She sold it in 1811 to a Francois Darby who reportedly lived there until her death in 1816. In 1835, the original house had been raised and work on the current house had begun for a dentist named Joseph Coulomb Gardet. Uh-oh, there's a, a dentist. Mm, according to the Historic New Orleans Collection. Four years later, in 1839, it was sold to a planter and merchant, Jean-Baptiste Le Pret, who owned it until 1878. It was Le Pret who had the cast-iron balconies installed around 1850. Here's where the history of the place gets a little fuzzy and bloody. As the legend holds, at some point the year is unclear, Le Pret was approached by a Turkish merchant and asked if he could rent his city house to the brother of a sultan. Le Pret, who spent much of his time on his plaque mines parish plantation anyway, agreed Soon after, the Sultan's brother moved in, complete with a boatload of exotic decor, a harem of five veiled women, and a bounty of gold and jewels. What Le Pret didn't know was that the man was a fugitive, having apparently stolen the riches and the harem from his brother. Then one Uh-oh. night, presumably a dark and stormy one, of course, a gang of assassins believed to have been dispatched by the Sultan descended upon the house and cut down the brother and the harem <laughs> with swords. According to one story, the bloody... Why did that sound like lasers? <laughs> yeah, the bloody bodies were discovered together with a message reading, this is what happens to traitors. That didn't work either. I'm going to give up on the sword. Some say the ghost of the Sultan's brother still walks the halls of the house today. How much of that story, if any, is true is anyone's guess. But scepticism is understandable. For starters, there are conflicting dates. The fact that there's no mention of it in the archives of the times, which would have certainly seized on such a crime, suggests either that date is wrong or the story is... Poppycock. It's a furphy. An earlier, more florid version of the story was published in a local historian and novelist Charles Gaillier's 1867 History of Louisiana. But Gaillier said the events played out in 1792, which, it should be noted, predates the current house. Uh, Oops. (laughs) Over the years, the building, encompassing 7,441 square feet, would change hands and users numerous times. But feet are rectangle. 
In the 1930s, as it was subdivided into the Saba apartments, it housed the New Orleans Academy of Art for a while in the 1940s, later falling victim to neglect. It became a squatter's haven. In the late 1960s, it was rescued, renovated and again became an apartment building, which it remains today. But to romantics and tour guides, it'll probably always be the Sultan's House. Oh, I wonder if uh, – so is it still open today? Oh, it's apartments. So it's, so it's apartments. It's, yeah, it's there. Ooh, yeah. Is there a coffee shop underneath we can visit? Probably. That would be nice. Mm. Mm. Yes. All right. Well, that was a really quick one. It so we, you've got another three minutes to fill there, Renata. What are you going to talk about? Um <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> well, it's all right. I think what we'll do is we'll jump to a really awesome song, which is going to fit perfectly with this. Um, and I'm hoping Bonnie will uh, line that up for us. Thank mm-hmm. you, Bonnie, for putting the show together. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Bonnie. And uh, we'll be back after this. You're listening to Spooky Sundays with Anne and Renata on Newcastle Live. We're back with Spooky Sundays with Anne and Renata. Now, I have got a story for you. I know we're still hanging around doing New Orleans, even though we're now in uh, California, but I I found this story and I thought I have to tell people about it because this is real. Mm-hmm. This really happened. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is... In oh now I've just lost my my eyes have gone unfocused I don't know what's happening the light is coming now um this happened in the Louisiana area and the news station WBRZ first broke the story when one of its viewers sent in a picture of a very disturbing sight the photographs seemed to show a stream of human blood flowing straight out onto the ground and spilling out onto a nearby road. From where? Well, this is where it gets really bad. It was seen to be coming from directly behind the Green Oaks Funeral Home in Baton Rouge. Uh, oh. I know, right? Oh. And I had a look at the photos. It's bright red blood. And it's like gurgling up and spilling out into the gutters. Uh, when WBRZ reached out to the funeral home Baton Rouge health officials for a state statement, um, sorry, they, they reached out to the funeral home uh, and health officials for a statement, but they were strangely dismissive considering the case involved a river of human blood. Baton Rouge Department of Environmental Services spokesperson Adam Smith gave the prototypical government employee not my problem response and assured they'd get to it in the proverbial tomorrow. So this is a quote. We sent out both our sewer inspectors and our environmental specialists to take a look. We determined that it wasn't a sewer issue and that it wasn't an issue and that it was an issue on private property. We've been really concentrating on restaurants lately, so we haven't been looking into funeral homes. <laughs> but we're going to go ahead and get them signed up for a permit tomorrow. So the if the official explanation that came out about this yeah. was that an underground tank of embalming fluids became clogged or somehow rather malfunctioned, spilling a mixture of blood and formaldehyde into the street. Oh, my god! How disturbing for anyone that had a loved one in there because like when they prepare the bodies, they, they do whatever it is they do and mm. um, there's bits of body pieces that come out and um, – it's actually quite fascinating what they, they do in a mortuary, but we won't go into that now. Uh, so the question asked is, do funeral homes keep massive tanks of human blood on hand? And it really makes you wonder what they do with all the precious bodily fluids they drain from the deceased. Do they just flush it down the sewers to be reclaimed into our water supplies? Supplies! <laughs> <laughs> oh, the, wow. Um, yeah, so... 
it, that that was that story, but there was another one that was equally disturbing, which I'm just going to get for you. And this is one about a New Orleans desecrated uh, cemetery. Mm-hmm. You haven't done this story, have you? Mm-hmm. No, it's starting to all merge in together in my head now. Mm-hmm. So this is um, uh, you're like the the cemeteries are very famous in throughout the world because it's um, lots of famous people yeah but it's also the way they do the the service and the burial and everything is quite interesting too Mm -hmm. and there's a mixture of different traditions you've got the voodoo you've got African um, ancestor worship, um, there's magic charms, there's Haitian voodoo, there's all sorts of things. So there was an issue where they came across a cemetery. Um, oh, hang on. Yeah, and they even mentioned the, the pool of blood here coming up from the, the, the funeral home. When uh, the mystery began, when residents of St. Bernard Parish visited the local Merrick Cemetery, what they found there shocked and horrified them. Uh, open coffins were scattered across the cemetery grounds, revealing the decomposing remains buried inside. What? Even worse, many of the remains were missing entirely. Now, I had a look at the photos. <sighs> it's literally the caskets have been dug up and thrown, and there's... There's many, many, not one or two, many. Uh, Even more disturbing human bones were strewn haphazardly throughout the cemetery grounds. One mortified witness posted a video of the scene to Facebook where it quickly went viral and caught the attention of the local news. Uh, The coffins were emptied and left out in the open. The news station WGNO reports that local authorities are investigating but do not seem to be any more developments about it. One St. Bernard Parish resident, Angela Cantrell, posted a series of pictures to a local Facebook group describing the horrific scene. As I got to the back of the cemetery, it was clear that something horrendous had occurred. Coffins slew everywhere. Tops of temporary graves had been smashed and caskets thrown out or partially removed. That's when I realised there were no bodies. Mm. None of these caskets had a body. Why? Why are the bones taken? Someone or something evil. Why isn't this top news? Why isn't this being spoken of? This is unacceptable. Have they been stolen? Are they being used in some sick black magic ritual? I don't know. Mm. Was it a zombie apocalypse? It could have been. Maybe the, the, that was the moment they all rose from the dead. Yes. So uh, the the question is, of course, has somebody dug these bodies up to be used as part of some sort of ritual? Uh, voodoo black magic. They always go and blame the voodoo black magic, don't they? Mm-hmm. Is it being sold on the black market somewhere? Or could there be zombies afoot? The thing is, nobody really knows. And it sounds like nobody really cares. No. You imagine having to clean all that up. Ah. Imagine, I, I would be, I'm so glad my father was cremated now. I would have been very distressed if I'd gone out and found his, well, maybe just his foot and nothing else. Mm. Mm. Anyway, I just thought they were really interesting stories. And like, they're real stories. They're not a possibility. They mm. actually happened and were reported in the news. Yeah. Yeah. But I think we need to go to a song. It's time to cross back to the other side. Welcome back to Spooky Sundays with Anne and Renata. Good evening, my crawlies. Yes, that's right, it is me, Cousin Steve, back from my perilous journey overseas and here, ready, willing and able to dig the dirt on everything paranormal in pop culture, it is time to crawl back into the creepy corner. We may have checked into the cinemas a lot lately, but every now and then, every generation or two, there comes a movie that makes you think to yourself, What an excellent day for an exorcism. That's right, this week we are going to discuss... The Exorcist Believer. Good day. Hey, be home by dinner. I love you. Good morning, Mr. Fielding. Morning, Catherine. 
And here are your daughters, Angela and Catherine, about seven hours ago. And that's the last information we have. Catherine! Angela! If you can hear this, we love you. Please come home. Hey. Hey, you found her? What are you and Catherine doing out there in those woods? You're just walking and walking. That's all I remember. Angela, can you tell your dad how long you were gone? A few hours. Baby, you've been gone three days. What did you say? I didn't say nothing. Thought I heard you say something. Hey, baby. You okay? Girls went, they brought something back with them. The body and the blood of Jesus Christ. There are people out there who have. You have some experience with possession. Yes, more than I'd like. I believe you can help get our girls back. Exorcism is a ritual. Every culture, every religion, they all use different methods. It's going to take all of them. We've met before. Mother. Stop it! What did you do? Is that Catherine's heartbeat? They're beating in sync. Now, unless you have been living under a rock or have never done your horror movie homework, you will know that The Exorcist Believer is a direct sequel to the 1973 film that some people call the scariest movie of all time, The Exorcist, which is based on a book of the same name by William Peter Blatty, which is believed or reported to be based on true events. In the film, we have a movie star, Chris McNeil, whose young daughter, Reagan, becomes possessed by a demon, and the two priests whose faith will be tested as they fight for the soul of the young girl, as well as their own. The Exorcist was, of course, a huge box office success and a genre-defining film. Off a budget of just $12 million, the box office for The Exorcist is over $441.3 million. And with that kind of money floating about, of course, there have been sequels, prequels, TV shows, and everything else that comes with that kind of success. Fast forward to 2020, a year that goes down in notoriety, when the idea to revamp or repossess The Exorcist came about, Universal Pictures and Peacock acquired the rights to the movie and it was announced that there would not only be one movie coming, but a trio of new movies at the hands of director David Gordon Green, who has also recently, for better or worse for some people, rebooted and ended the Halloween franchise. And just like his foray into horror with Jamie Lee Curtis and Michael Myers, this movie serves as a direct sequel to the 1973 original, 
Now, tying into an iconic movie like this is really, really smart marketing. And probably the best get that this movie has is that they have managed to convince Ellen Burstyn to reprise her role as Chris McNeil. As soon as that was announced, I think a lot of the fans really jumped on board and wanted to see exactly what would happen in this story. What fresh new take can we get all these years later? Because this is a recent release and such an anticipated release uh, for many, many people, I'm not going to go into too many spoilers on the plot. I will just give you a brief synopsis of what to expect when you're going in to test your faith with the Exorcist Believer. When two girls disappear into the woods and return three days later with no memory of what happened to them, the father of one girl seeks out Chris McNeil, who's been forever altered by what happened to her daughter 50 years ago as demonic presences begin to make themselves known from within the girls. It's interesting to note that the critical reception has been rather mixed on this movie. I think when you're going to make a sequel to the quote-unquote scariest movie of all time, those are really big shoes to fill. And it's a question that we have to ask, is The Exorcist still scary obviously with the amount of gaps between the original movie and this movie tastes change fears change the world has changed we are no longer well the majority of us are no longer driven that deeply by religion which pushed the furor of the original movie so much there was outrage because of the content of the movie and what that could bring up in individuals, in the culture, and in spirituality. But in 2023, we lead a very, very different life. Is a religious-based horror movie still scary? What do people find scary these days? And my question for you out there is, what do you find scary? Is it a religious horror film? A ghost story? The idea of a slasher serial killer stalking you in the woods. Because despite the reviews, it seems that Pazuzu and his pals still seem to pack a little bit of a punch at the box office. Exorcist Believer had a budget of $30 million. At the moment, it's sitting at $46.6 million. So not a runaway success, but something that is worth, you know, looking at and looking forward to in the future. As I said at the beginning of this little review, this was meant to be the original introduction to a new trilogy of films. The trilogy at this point is still going ahead. There may be a little bit of rewriting happening. The script for the next movie is finished. It has a release date. So if all is good and well, and, you know, the demons agree. The Exorcist Deceiver should be released April 18th, 2025. So, creepy crawlies, let us know if you're going to be heading to the cinemas to see The Exorcist. If you're going to wait for home video or if it is not your bag and you're staying home. Until next time, I will be tucking myself in the creepy corner. And it is back to the wonderful Anne and Renata. You're listening to Spooky Sundays with Anne and Renata on Newcastle Live. Hello and welcome back. And as uh, we continue our ride of a lifetime, our exploration. Before we die. Our our dalliance with the dead um, in all of these lovely places that we're visiting, uh, I'm going to stop us off at... um, Universal Studios. But that's where we're going tonight. Yes, yes. That's very exciting. Mm -hmm. And we're going in um, after hours (laughs) to do the Haunted Horror Night thing where they turn the whole place uh, over into um, uh, horror tropes. I wonder what food they'll have. I bet they'll have brains. Haunted hamburgers. (laughs) There'll be red drink for sure. It'll be blood. Red drink. That'll set us all (laughs) off. But apparently, did you know that there seems to be some interesting tales about true hauntings 
whilst the attraction is actually on. Oh, what? Mm. Like real ones? Yes. Oh, okay. So I want to read you some of these stories that have um, been written up about uh, what goes on uh, after dark oh. at Universal Studios. I hope we don't find anyone doing anything icky after dark. Mm. Right. So one of the biggest ghosts there, of course, is Alfred Hitchcock, and he apparently haunts the Shrek building, and he's been there for quite some time, and uh, he is, um, yeah, wandering around and haunting people. And, of course, if, you, if you're too young to know who Alfred Hitchcock is, he was the master of horror, the master of um, that, that genre before it really became a genre. He created the, the thriller. You know, the reek, reek, reek with the knife. Yeah. yeah that, what was the – because we're going to visit that house. Yeah. What's it called? Um, oh. Uh, um, <coughs> oh, we're tired It'll now. It'll come to me. Yeah. It'll come to me. But, yeah, so – Psycho. Uh, yes. So he seems to wander around because, of course, some of the – um, backdrops from his movies are there. Yes. Uh, and that's that's why he is just making sure that everything is okay. So that is one of the um, particular spirits around. But during last year's um, Haunted Nights, the scare actors working the Exorcist House reported an assortment of strange happenings. That daylight lights would be, would flicker uh, when instead they should have been constant. Scare actors reported hearing weird noises and some staff have said that strange things happened to them each night after working in the house. A number of guests wouldn't even venture into the house. Such was the fear for the epic property. Now, you know it's part of the haunted theme thing, theme park that they're doing. Yeah. And yet it's terrified people so much that they won't, walk into the place. The, I, I bet there's a Ouija board somewhere. I oh, I that, hope so. I Let's bet, touch it. I bet oh, there's a Ouija board. Can we go through one of the haunted houses with a K2 in front of us? <laughs> <laughs> I think that'd be hilarious. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, now, um, there was one man who reached out with an urban legend uh, that was told uh, to this particular um, interviewer, and he said a woman died when they were building Kong Kongfrontation, which must be a something to do with King Kong. King Kong, yeah. He fell from some scaffolding or something. Aww. His ghost haunted the attraction for years. Uh, many people saw an extra passenger on the trams after they were empty, but when they looked in, this person was gone. And he also showed up on monitors frequently. I've heard the mummy is still haunted, but there may be more than one ghost now. A guest died on the ride shortly after it opened. Oh, fancy going in there and having a heart attack. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. We, we Hopefully we can go on that ride because that one's like a, a car. It's like a buggy, I think. Mm-hmm. And um, you should be all right with your vertigo on that one. Okay. Now, another ghostly tale comes from Universal's Hollywood studio with the ghost of Lon Chaney. Oh, yeah. So Chaney was the star of many of Universal's original monster movies. And this goes back to when it was um, silent movies. Does it go back that far with Lon yeah. Chaney? Uh, the, the movies were literally made um, in that studio and actually made the studio famous. So Stage 28, which was built for his most famous movie, The Phantom of the Opera, the featured of the Opera. a full-sized remake of the Parisian theatre from the picture. Oh. Years since, the set had remained for decades with Universal staffers all saying that a black cloaked stranger had been witnessed hiding within the balconies of the theatre. The reports happened so often that the security guards even stopped searching the soundstage when reports came in. There was even a TV movie made about the Phantom of Stage 28. But don't worry, scaredy cats out there. The soundstage was sadly demolished in 2016 to make way for future park expansions. I bet that was where Harry Potter World went. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and a final ghost is real, yes, real, and actively haunts the restrooms of Islands of Adventure. <laughs> That's right, Moaning Myrtle herself oh, can no. be found during park hours haunting the stalls of every toilet in the Hogsmeade section oh, of IOA. I get a feeling that might be a sound effect. You think? <laughs> you think? <laughs> well, we'll have to... Uh 
explore yeah. and find out. We'll have so many stories to tell. Oh, we better take notes as we're going because you know what our brains are like. Yeah. We'll forget all of them. Yeah. Um, I wonder if I can take a camera. Are we allowed to take a camera I in? I don't know. We'll have to. Because I've got my little handheld stick the one. The one. Yeah. yeah, that people don't even know it's there. Yes. Oh, I might be able to get away with it. We'll mm. see. We'll see how much we can video for you guys so we can bring it back and show you. Yeah, that would be good. <sighs> We're almost done. We're almost finished this show. Oh, wow. Yeah, one more story. It's been I think epic. one or two. I can't remember now. I'm starting to lose it. Yeah, let's go to a song, though. All right. Spooky Sundays with Anne and Renata on Newcastle Live. Hello, hello. Welcome back, hello, everyone. Hello. Welcome back. Oh, yeah. And um, yes, you are listening to Spooky Sundays. And uh, with your hosts, Anne and Renata, and we are on the last legs of our travel. Uh, we have been to um, where have we been? New Orleans. New Orleans. <laughs> <laughs> it's been <laughs> so long. <laughs> you, you've New turned Orleans. a year older. <laughs> I know. I know. I've, I've turned the corner. It's it's all downhill from here. That's it. No, um, I was downhill about ten years ago. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> Oh, but but we've still got another story. We're not wrapping up. Marbles. No, uh, we've done a little bit on Universal Studios, but now, now our final night. The piece de resistance. That's it. The icing on the cake. Yep. The cherry on the top. We're getting Renata to sleep on a cruise ship. It is the only one she will ever probably sleep on because it's docked permanently at Long Bay. Absolutely. <laughs> is that what it's called, Long Bay? I can't remember. That sounds like the jail, doesn't it? Mm, it does. Anyway, um... We are talking, of course, about the Queen Mary. And, oh, I've got the wrong story up. Oh, no, hang on. I have to go back to the other one. Here it is. So I, this is a real ghost story from yourghoststories.com, and it's about the Queen Mary. So the Queen Mary was in service for decades as both a World War II transport ship and a luxury liner. Oh, Renata. It wasn't intended as such at the time, but the Queen Mary was named the Grey Ghost during the war because of the colour she was painted to make her stealthy in wartime waters. She'd be a little bit camouflaged. She would be. In her time, the Queen Mary carried seasick sailors and oh, Renata. Oh, no. Destitute stowaways and wealthy vacationers. Well, there's one of those that we fit, mm. <laughs> mostly, the seasick sailors. Uh, with this kind of history, it's not surprising she saw her own share of deaths. Now, a hair shy of 50, which I think this was written uh, a little while ago, so I'd say she's probably cracked the 50 by now. In fact, there are so many haunting that some there are so many hauntings, I think that's been to be, that some parts of the ship are now barred from the public. Oh, but for the paranormally curious, there are still haunted tours of the cabins and halls that housed death. You can also lodge at the Queen Mary, but after reading this, you may have second thoughts. Hell no. Of the numerous deaths, there was a young seaman by the name of John Henry who lied about his age to procure a position on the Queen Mary and was soon crushed to death while trying to flee a fire. To this day, knocks and bright lights can be heard around engine room 13 when the young man met his untimely death. It's even been reported that the door to the engine room is sometimes hot to touch or that mixed in with a, a ball of light is tendrils of smoke. Oh. I think he was the one that got stuck in, in the door because um, the doors close when there's a fire uh-huh, uh-huh. and he got yep. chopped in half. Mm-hmm. If spooky little girls like the one in The Shining scare you, then you're going to want to stay clear of the pool. Oh, I can't wait to go to the pool with you, Renata. A girl from third class. That sounded really icky. Oh, no. <laughs> We're not taking our cozies. Um, cozies are swimmers for our uh, overseas listeners. A girl from third class thought she'd have some fun and slid down the banister, but a sudden wave upset her course and she broke her neck on the fall. Now she wanders the pool area and a nursery looking for her doll or her mommy. She's not alone, though. In the 30s and 60s, two other women, women met their unfortunate death deaths in the pool area and are seen periodically in that area. Now, if I remember correctly, the little girl's name is Jackie. Mm. There's been countless TV shows where they've caught Mm -hmm. um, 
giggling and children's voices. Yep, yep. So that will be a little bit of fun. War always brings atrocities, but how about a cook that was cooked because the troops on board didn't like his meals? I don't remember this one. No. They stuffed him into the oven and burnt him as alive as a lesson for bad consent. Well, how's he going to learn from that if you've baked him (laughs) and he's dead? I think that is a tall tale. I've got a feeling it is too. His screams still echo his horrible death to this day. If you're still feeling brave enough to consider sleeping on the Queen, (laughs) there was also a reported visitor that slipped a steward some cash in exchange for finding a willing female passenger to keep him company for the night. Mm. After stowing his luggage, a female companion was found and they retired for the night. In the morning, the man was missing from the dining hall, so the steward went to find him. What they found instead was the corpse of the female companion. They could not locate the male guest his registration information for that room, nor his luggage, which people swore was checked and stowed. He simply vanished and only left a trail of blood and rumours. I haven't heard that one either. Of course, you can listen to the True Hauntings podcast on the Queen Mary. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Queen Mary is home to 49 deaths, but she was also surrounded by death. I think she would have had more than 49. Uh, In an attempt to avoid enemy ships, she zigged and she zagged her way into her companionship, nearly cutting it in half, and was forced to leave 300 survivors in the water to be eaten by sharks or drowned. Oh, that's terrible. Is reported that mysterious pounding on the side of the Queen Mary, those men trying to signal to come on board. Oh, oh that's oh. horrible. I'm going to have nightmares. Yeah. But don't worry. There was the in-house psychic who tells you all. Peter James claims that he has communicated with over 150 separate ghosts <laughs> on the ship oh. because he's special. He is Peter gives bi-monthly ghost tours of the ship and claims to have made numerous contact with various ghosts, including a few mentioned above. Does that mean he's created those stories? We all know what happens on the True Hauntings podcast about Mm. that. Um, From the sheer number and type of deaths that occurred, it seems plausible. Mm. This is surely one of the most haunted places of modern time in America. I'm really excited to actually stay on this ship mm-hmm. and um, do the ghost tour because I had something strange happen to me during the ghost tour mm-hmm. yes. where my bag was yanked backwards. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I will be keen to see what you pick up on and what you feel mm-hmm. in those areas because it was a ship of war and there was death and there was tragedy surrounding her. Mm-hmm. Does that still linger as a residual haunting? Does it? Or is it intelligent? Wow. Don't know. No. Okay, well, we're going to take um, a last break. break. Yes, last break and a song, and we shall be back shortly. Spooky Sundays with Anne and Renata on Newcastle Live. And ladies and gentlemen, we are in the last moments of tonight's Spooky Sunday radio show. You are here with your hosts, Anne and Renata, and we are going to be signing off in a few minutes. Any news that we have, Anne? Only that we'll be back in Australia on the 19th, uh, and I think we're back on our first tour on Saturday night. Yeah, and my goodness, if you are keen to go and do something for Halloween... Maitland Jail has got so many things on, it is unbelievable. We have a sleepover at the residence, uh, so if you are keen to do that and you miss the first one, this is the last one for this year that we're doing, and it could be the last one at the residence because we don't know how long we have it. So check out uh, Maitland Jail ticket sales and you'll be able to find the residence sleepover. We do have a workshop prior to that on that night, um, and you can do both or you can just come to the workshop or come to the sleepover, but this workshop's going to be extra special because we are going to be diving into how to communicate with the dead. Mm. And we're going to be doing things like um, glass dowsing, 
um, pendulum work um, and um, what else are we doing? Dowsing rods. Dowsing rods, yes. yes. So come along and experience that. And we also have a, um, probably a few tickets left by this stage for our Oracle Card Workshop at the jail. Uh, and we've got lots more things planned for next year, but... Halloween, yeah, come along. Yeah, dress up on Halloween night. Halloween night, yes, we are all dressing up. We are all going to be a little bit crazy. 9.30 to 11.30? Yep, for a ghost tour. Yeah. Uh, But if you have been made horribly jealous by our trip to New Orleans and LA, you can actually come and join us on a trip to Ireland on St. Patrick's Day. Now, we're actually going to be there from the 14th of March to the 23rd of March. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can find more information on that from mysteriousadventures.com. It's, going, it's getting its name changed because it's called Honouring the Spirits of Ireland. St. Patrick were frightfully good. That sounds as boring as snot. Um, and if anyone knows about St. Patrick, they know that we wouldn't be... Yeah, anyway... Um, <laughs> So it's now called St. Patrick's Frightfully Good Ghostly Adventures um, with Anne and Renata in Ireland. Uh, But you can come and join us and it's absolutely amazing. We're doing some of the big name locations where we'll be investigating. Yes, yes. Yeah, but check it out. Um, On our tours, it is chock-a-block full of um, investigation sites. And we will be celebrating St. Patrick's Day in Ireland. Ireland. Yes. Woohoo! And I maybe around Galway. We're not quite yeah. sure yet. So, yes. Oh. So, information will be going up. We'll put a link in. Um, and yes, join us, please. Get And all you need to do is put down $100 for a deposit. Yeah. And, and that will hold your place. Just be aware the prices are in American dollars. And this is run by an American company, our gorgeous Maria. And I think we've got Kayla who's looking after us mm-hmm. on this trip. She's our yeah. guide. Yeah. Anyway. That's it. We're done. We are done. Wrap it up, Renata. Yeah. So, until we see you next week, goodbye. Sayonara. Auf Wiedersehen. Dovidzenia. Ah, and everything else. And uh, remember. Be, be frightfully good. See you on the dark side. Stay spooky. And. Don't be a dickhead. Yes, don't be a dickhead. Bye, dickhead. everyone. Bye. <laughs>